One day we'll all be famous. Chapel Library. All right, so, um, Rod, you haven't been here for a couple months, so I don't know if you had heard any of this, but, um, um, Isaac's been talking about chapter one in the Confession of Faith, and I've been talking about a series that I got from John MacArthur when I was a student at Moody about um, why we are to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so, and then we talked about the second part of that is, well, how do we glorify God if it's important we do that? So, uh, somebody pray for us. Father, we pray that you would um, give us ears to hear use the words and teach us from your word. And we pray, Father, that you would make us diligent students. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. So, so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about we glorify God by aiming our life at him. We have to seek to glorify him. It doesn't come naturally. And, uh, we want to aim our life at God's glory, whatever the cost might be. It might bring suffering, because seeking to glorify God goes against the ways of the world. We talked about being willing to suffer when God suffers. We want God's glory, even if it means hardship for us. Did you say when God suffers? Yeah, when God suffers. When the name of God oh. is disrespected in the world. Um, we're willing to suffer because the name and glory of God is trampled over. And then to be content, to be outdone by others for the glory of God. In Philippians 1, Paul said he didn't really care who preached the word as long as the word was being preached. It wasn't about his status. It is about the worship and glory of God. So, uh, today, see if we can cover two points on the outline. Uh, point three, we glorify God by confessing our sin, by examining ourselves. It leads to confession. 
So let's look at Joshua chapter 7. Mark, you need your Bible. Um, Chapter 7, verse 14 to 26. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribe. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by household, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites, and he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. How far can I Just go on to verse 26. Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, there it was hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua, to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garments, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, 
his oxen, his donkey, his sheep, his tent, and all he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned him with fire after they had stoned him with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. All right. So the Israelites are defeated in battle at this little town of Ai because of Achan's sin. Now, um, the key verse here is verse 19. And the point was, we glorify God by confessing our sin. So Joshua, this this judgment has come. Which tribe, which clan, which family, oh, which household, oh, it's down to this one man, Achan. And uh, so Joshua says, verse 19, says to Achan, my son, I beg you, Give glory to God of Israel and make confession to him. Tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. So one of the ways we glorify God in our life is by examining ourselves and confessing our sin before God. Now, it doesn't always lead to this severe judgment that Achan had. But why is it important to confess our sin? How does that glorify God? Okay, so uh, <clears throat> what's the word confess mean? Does it mean you go to a, a Catholic priest? Yes. Yeah. Well, it means to tell the truth. Yeah, it just means to admit your wrongdoing. Right. So. God is the one that said, this is the guy who sinned. Yes. So to not confess is to know God. I didn't do anything. Yeah, so Achan, you know, says to Joshua, this is what I did. This is what I coveted. This is what I took. He admits it. Now he doesn't escape judgment. Now this is a, but this is an interesting passage because one man that sinned, the entire community suffered. They lost the battle. People probably died in the battle. Yes. You know, so, um, I mean, 
Yes, and so um, confession is basically just to admit the truth about our sinfulness before God. And uh, <laughs> confession frees God from the accusation that he's unjust. Does that make sense? That yet God knows we've sinned. And uh, we've done wrong. Um, we know First John one nine. If we do what, confess our sin. Yeah. So God forgives us on the basis of us admitting that we're wrong. But this is all glorifying to God. Um, well, here's a question. So, and I kind of know the answer to this, but it's, it's, it's a discussion. Why is it that in this particular case, God, after confession, is not so much he gets told the first amendment is not more involved in today? Well, God says he is merciful and just, just like he is a thing that comes from unrighteousness. So when you say we're non-believers, that's you there is that your the God of the Old Testament is more harsh than the one in the New Testament. Well, that's a difficult question. Um, people may not like this, but I mean, Joshua says here, "You troubled the Lord, and now um, the Lord's going to trouble you," because like Mark just said, "Achan sinned." didn't just affect him. It affected the whole of Israel to the fact that they were defeated in a battle. Now, based on the work of Christ, 1 John 1, 9 says, based on Christ's work, he can forgive us our sins because he's faithful and just. It's based on his character. But that doesn't mean that they're not consequences to sin. Well, sorry, but this key doesn't misread it. Like, I understand why some non-Christians will say, look, the Bible says that, that God will not punish, that it's unjust to punish the, the, the sons of the, the sins of the father, but yet that his entire family, this, and there's other parts of the mm-hmm. passage too, where when uh, where the, the tent and all of his possessions are swallowed up into the ground because he sinned with um, something, and that was his entire family too. So how do you how do you reconcile those two things where it says that, that the families are not because of the sins of the father, but yet they were in the Old Testament? God is not different then. Maybe maybe the dispensational the dispensational say that only is in dispensational. And I'm not not trying to be difficult. I mean, I'm trying. I'm, these are some questions I've been asked before, so. Not going to be exact questions, but ones like that. Yeah. Well, who, though, early those who confess our sins? If we, if we believers who Christ died for, confess our sins, not for the law. So the people were lost. Is that how we get the 
I'm trying to be courteous. Yeah. No, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm saying maybe these can't be answered easily. That maybe that's a fair answer, but um, I don't know. Yeah, it seems to be that um, Satan did not mind disobeying the Lord uh, and taking that stuff that he wasn't supposed to because he probably was not uh, very safe. Okay. Uh, but but my, but uh, but let me finish. It's not sure. just him. Right. There's Ananias and Savira who are drug distributors. Now I don't know if they're saved or not, but. Um, Judas was sorry for his sin, but it didn't lead to repentance. Oh, right. Well, sure. So, he, you know, so uh, the the mere act of confessing of sin does not um, necessarily mean that a person is saved. All right, so... Like the sacrament of reconciliation and confession of which uh, past guests did about the Catholics. You know, lots of people go and confess their sins. Um, but they're still not saved. Right. Okay. This issue of punishment of innocence, so to speak, is something I've had to deal with recently. Someone asked if it was from the issue only said, why would God allow the innocent children, relatively speaking, they weren't certainly not innocent, but to be beheaded and slaughtered and butchered and all that, when in fact, you know, even in the Old Testament, it seems that the part of the living How does that, you know, today, it, there, there's some difficult questions that when people, even some Christians ask, you can ask, what are the answers to those things? I mean, are the way I... Well, you started to say, and then and then continue to ask the question. First of all, there are no innocent questions. Right. And, uh, but this idea that the Old Testament God and the New Testament God are different is not true. Right, of course. Right. Like, I preached on the street one day, um, all through all these dozens of passages in Matthew where Jesus talks about hell and the torment and the everlasting punishment in hell. It's many, many, many times that Jesus talks about the smoke of their torment rising up forever and so forth. So so the, the, the God of the Old Testament is gracious, the God of the New Testament is wrathful. He's both. He's infinitely just and he's infinitely merciful. Well, this is, this is why I asked. And that's the, well, the, the point is that that's the answer. Yeah. We may not like it. Other people may like it. But right. That's the only answer there is. This is why I had good faith with those things. But all I can tell you is that, well, I'm sorry, this is why I had a problem with preachers who are discussed highly who say that, that, that it's really, salvation is really an issue of awareness of accountability. That if you die before that awareness of accountability, that you are the Lord. And I said, then why did God order the slaughter of those kids in the Old Testament when they're in the village and they were wiped out? And, and there's never been an adequate answer for that except what reformers say, which I find maniacal, say, well, all the elect didn't say that. That's kind of like a slightly different question. And that really well, that's true, too. But the fact of that, like Mark just said, nobody's actually innocent. But also, God made a covenant with with Israel, right. all the other pagans are outside of that covenant. Right. Are actually in gross disobedience to God's commandments of idolatry and that. See, we want to think that God is therefore unfair, but God doesn't know 
any human being, even a child, anything, because we're all sinners. Um, let's look at First Corinthians chapter 11, 31 and 32. And uh, we'll wrap it up with this point that do you have in one? For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Okay, so it's just basically the same Greek word with a few prefaces or suffixes uh, of judgment. So to confess our sin in a way, is to judge ourselves, scrutinize ourselves rightly, examine ourselves. When we do that, it brings glory to God. It doesn't bring condemnation necessarily. It, uh, it spares us perhaps condemnation. And yet, uh, it's true that even in today's age, God can still judge someone to death for sinfulness. Um, I don't know of any specific examples like that, but obviously Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 were judged because they lied to God and to the Spirit. We may suffer consequences of our sin, but again, the point here is that it's one of the ways we glorify God. We show God to be just and holy by confessing our sin before God. Thankfully, because of Christ, He's faithful and just and forgives us. That doesn't mean He necessarily removes consequences of sin. But the promise is of forgiveness. Um, there's a, one last illustration uh, in chapters 4, 5, and 6 of Samuel, the Israelites took the ark out into battle and were defeated. The ark was taken captive, taken back to the Philistine capital and put in the temple of their god, Dagon. And what happened? Do you remember? The, uh, the idol fell over. The idol fell over. Yeah, first time it just fell over. And they picked it back up. The next day, it broke into pieces. And they had this plague. And the priest of Dagon told the leaders, offer votive sacrifices to the God of Israel. 
to be healed because we've sinned. Now, votive sacrifices would be like if you had a disease, like you had a tumor. You would make a like a an artificial tumor and offer that to your God. It's very common pagan practice. It's not so. So they offer these sacrifices, and the priest, if you read the story, said, "We sinned. We must glorify the God of Israel." Yeah, so it wasn't the Levitical sacrifices, but they recognized we sinned against the God of Israel. Send the ark back with sacrifices. Uh, you know, so even the pagans recognized the, the need to confess their sin before God. Well, let's stop there. Uh, <clears throat> Father, thank you for this teaching of Scripture. Help us to be quick to uh, turn from sin, examine ourselves, confess it, and rest in your forgiveness. And not to try to be self-righteous and just do good things. Thank you for your mercy. Help us to seek to glorify you in all our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.